GLC presents a Studio B production brought to you by the donations of our faithful partners. Hello, welcome back to the show. Isn't this great to get to do this? It's wonderful to learn about Jesus. There's just nobody like Jesus, is there? He can change your life in an instant. He can answer a prayer in an instant. God loves you so much. You're very, very special to God. He even directed you to watch this show today because he wanted to talk to you. He had something he wanted to say to you. What are we talking about today? Heroes and insignificant people. Everybody loves a hero, don't they? We all like to watch sports heroes, movie heroes, book heroes, but not everybody's a hero, are they? One of the recent lessons I taught was leaders from nowhere, and it was how people who were kind of in the background rose up and became great leaders under King David. But today, we're talking about insignificant people. What about the ins insignificant people in the Bible. Can your life count? Can your life matter? Do you find yourself saying, I don't even know if I've done anything and now I'm old and I don't think my life's counted for very much. I was a good mother. I was a good father. I was a good neighbor. I tried to help people. I do love Jesus. I know him. But I don't know if I, my life had very much significance. Well, something I've always thought about is you can be president of the United States, but if your neighbor needs her dog picked up from the dog groomer and she can't do it and you do it for her, how significant are you to her? So it's really about how significant are you in the lives of the people around you? A lot of you watching this show are very, very successful. You've made a lot of money. You've done a lot with your life. People know your name, may even have been in magazines, maybe even a book. But you know, it's not about success as much as it's about significance. What are you doing with your life that's significant? One time I was in a church service in Austin, Texas, and the pastor said, what are you doing with your life to help someone who can in no way help you back? I thought, nothing. Everything, everybody I help can help me back. And oh, it just sent me on a journey. Made me, I couldn't quit thinking about it. And right after that, God called me to a jail ministry. What an amazing thing. Helping people in the worst time of their lives. And God still cares. Jesus still cares about them. He even says, I was in jail and you visited me. Are you surprised to learn that there's Christians in jail? You know, Christians can mess up just like anybody else. And sometimes they can do things. God certainly didn't want them to do it. And now they're having to pay the price of it. But it doesn't mean that God has abandoned them. I knew a lady one time in Hereford, Texas, whose life was so messed up. And she had finally just kind of gotten to the end and was in jail again. I don't know how many times that woman had been in jail again so depressed and we went to see her a friend and i went in to this little jail to see her she said i had an amazing thing happen last night really what well i was sitting on my bed in this cell and so depressed 
just looking at the bars, had my head down. All of a sudden, I saw some feet, and they had sandals on. And I couldn't really look up very high, because when I did, there was nothing there. But I knew the Lord had come to me in that jail cell. Now that's an insignificant woman in the eyes of the world. And Jesus cared so much about her that he came. And she saw and experienced the Lord in a very powerful, miraculous way. Insignificance only stands out when you compare yourself to other people that are doing big things. And one of the future lessons I'm going to be teaching is the sin of comparison. But today, we want to study some people in the Bible that you've maybe never thought about. Maybe you remember their names. Maybe you think, I've never even heard of that person. And yet, look what a big thing they did. So we're going to study three people like that. These people happened to be in the right place at the right time. And they had open hearts, and they got their names written in the Bible. What an amazing thing. I heard about a man this week just with one of the programmers on this station that, not a program, but one of the people that stuffs envelopes and sends these newsletters out to people and said her son passed away and people felt like he really hadn't done that much with his life until all of these people started calling her house saying, let me tell you what he did for me. Let me tell you what he did for me. One lady said he always wanted to make sure I had coffee. Little tiny thing, but how important to that lady. Now, why was that important? Because it made her feel valued. He had the gift of making people feel valued because he cared about them. Now, how significant is that? Huge, huge. Well, let's look in the Bible and see what it's talking about. The first scripture I want you to look at is in Corinthians, and uh, it's chapter 9. Verses 12 to 14. 1 Corinthians. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. That's what people do. When you do some kind of a service that meets the needs of God's people, it causes them to thank God because they know it came from the heart of God to them. And I think people need that more than anything. They need to know, does God love me? And if he does, does he show me? And there, you're doing your job, and they're overflowing with thanks to God. So what else does this verse say? Well, because of the service by which you have proved yourself, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. It's not enough to just say, yeah, I know Jesus. Oh, yeah, I know Jesus. I know the Lord. Hallelujah. But it's about obedience. What has God called you to do, and are you doing it? And then it says, and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. What is generosity? It's more than just giving. It's giving abundantly. That's how God is. And in their prayers for you. Their hearts will go out to God. Their hearts go out to you first, and then their hearts go out to God because of the surpassing grace 
that God has given you. You see what I'm talking about? Are you getting it? It doesn't matter if it's big and significant or little and insignificant. It causes people, when you've done it with the heart of God, they realize that and they overflow with praise to God. I know I certainly do. Well, how do you know which direction to go in? How do you know what to do that counts with God? Here's the next scripture. Philippians 2, 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Sometimes people say, well, could it be God or is it just me? I want to do it. Yes, it's God. Because God puts the desire inside of you. Well, is that true for everybody? Probably not. There's too many people out there doing what they want to do and they haven't given God the time of day, right? But people that love the Lord and want to be used in the kingdom of God and want to be a representative and want Jesus Christ to be uplifted, look at what the desires of your heart are. God's put those in you. Have you stopped and thought about it? I know they're there. And then you think, well, how will I get it done? This is what I've always wanted to do. But how, what if I'm not good at it? What if I don't succeed at it? What if I do a crummy job at it? Look at what that verse says. He gives you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So you can just say, Lord, just let your power flow through me. Let her rip, Lord. I mean let her rip. I want to touch people's lives. I'm getting to do what I want to do doing this. I love to talk. I love to encourage people. I love to help people believe they can be more than they ever thought they could be. And I love to help them see ways to do it. And I'm getting to do this. And I hope that those of you that are watching this today begin to think, what are my dreams? How, what am I good at? What are my gifts? What are my talents? Now we're going to talk about some people in the Bible that served God in such important ways. The first one is in the book of Genesis, and their names are Jochebed and Amram. Do you, have you ever heard of Amram? Have you ever heard of Jochebed? If you read the Bible a lot and you like to study the Bible, you're probably sitting there going, yep, I know who they are. The rest of you are going, who? They were the parents of three people who made a powerful impact on their world and on our world thousands of years later. Who were they? Three people called into the ministry out of one family. Who were they? Aaron, Miriam, and Moses. They were the parents. Now, what was so special about this couple? Because they are insignificant. Most people have never heard of them. They did their job. And their job was to raise three children who were going to be used by God to touch a nation. Actually, to touch two nations. Because Miriam was the lady, the young girl, who put her little brother Moses in the basket and watched to make sure that he was safe and the crocodiles didn't eat him in that little basket and made sure that Pharaoh's daughter found him crying in the bulrushes and then said, would you like me to get someone to nurse him for you? And the princess said, yes. 
She said, I'll, I'll get somebody. So Moses' mother got to nurse her own baby and watch him be raised in the palace. Then Aaron was the older brother, and Moses, when he grew up, for some reason, did not feel like he was a good speaker. Some people think he stuttered. He just said, I don't have a good speech. And Aaron became his mouthpiece because Aaron was a good speaker. So what did these people do that was significant in raising these children? They raised each child to be an individual. And they didn't raise them to be just like themselves. That's probably the hardest thing to do as a parent, isn't it? You have dreams and goals for your child, and then all of a sudden your child's not the least bit interested in that. And nothing you do makes them interested in it. And you're frustrated. Instead of saying, now wait a minute. What is my child good at? What does my child like to do? Where do I see the desires God's put in that child's heart? How can I help them? Miriam was a prophetess, and she had this incredible ability to write songs and sing. So do you think that mother encouraged her? Oh, honey, your voice is so, it's just from God. That's the significance that this insignificant couple had. They watched their children. They protected their children. They watched over them, and they released them to be what God wanted them to be. And what made that so hard? You say, well, a lot of families do that. Yes, but how hard is it to do it when you're having to live in a country that's not your own land and you're not familiar with the customs? It's a little bit dangerous. And in this case, it was extremely dangerous because the Pharaoh had ordered all these children killed and Moses was saved. And so this mother raised that child until she absolutely had to give him up to Pharaoh's daughter. Who's somebody else that you don't know about? Well, this one, they never give his name. You know, there's a lot of people in the Bible that they never tell their name. And our names are important to us. But they never tell their name. They just have a description of them. For instance, the name of the leper, you know that story about how he was the commander of the army and he had leprosy? And it just says the little servant girl told him to go to Elijah and get prayed for. Well, she was never named, and she may have looked insignificant because she was a little Hebrew slave in another country, but she was the one who got him to the place where he could be healed. So who's this person I'm talking about? I want you to get your Bibles, and I want you to turn to Genesis 24. And we're going to talk about the servant of Abraham. Now, Abraham was very, very wealthy. God prospered him beyond belief. Just amazing because he obeyed God and he did what God said and God prospered him. God wants to prosper everybody. It says that in 1 John. Beloved, I wish above all else that you might prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So God wants to prosper people. He just wants to make sure your soul is prospering at the same time. And Abraham's was. And so he had this main servant, this man that had been with him a long time. Now, how do I know he had been with him a long time? Well, you kind of have to read things into the Bible. You kind of have to put yourself in that story. And that's what I mean about read things in. I'm not saying add things to the Bible. I'm saying just think about it. 
because it says, One day Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household. So that man had been with Abraham a long time. God always wants to prosper you and raise you up, but you have to be found faithful. You've got to prove yourself in all kinds of little things. Let me ask you this. No matter how important you are today, is it beneath you to pick up a broom and sweep a room out or to clean a window or pick up some trash? God's always watching you, checking you out to see, will you do anything I ask you to do? And one day, this man, now you've got to remember he's older because that's real important. I think that's key. Not only because he's wise and he knows his master and he knows what his master likes and he's in charge of the household. So he's a very organized man, very disciplined man. But what God asks him to do requires great faith and strength and strength of character. And this man had all of that because he had to go to another country. Again, it's a case of an insignificant person being used to do something that had huge significance. Huge. And God does that all the time. He, he will use you and you'll think, nobody even knows what I did and yet God put me in the right place at the right time and if I hadn't been there, it wouldn't have happened. Well, think about this man. Isaac had been born, finally. They had waited so long to get a baby. They were old. Abraham was 100 years old, way past childbearing. His wife was way past childbearing, and they had a miracle, and they got the miracle baby. And then God said, put him on the altar. I want to see if I mean more to you than him. And he did, and he still had his child. God provided a ram in the bush like he always does when he tests you. And it's time to get this child married. So God has already said to Abraham, your seed is going to be like the sand of the seashore, like the stars in the sky. So how important do you think it would be to get the right woman for this child to marry? It means everything. Everything. Who would you pick? He picked the head of his household. He trusted that man so much. He had worked with that man under all kinds of conditions. He had seen what this man would do in all kinds of situations. That's why I'm telling you, big or little in terms of importance, be found faithful with a good attitude. Sends this man out and he says, I want you to go and I want you to swear to me by God, the Lord, by the God of heaven, the God of earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local women, these local Canaanite women. Instead, I want you to go to my homeland and my relatives and find a wife. Now, you know in those days, you didn't just get in the car and five hours later, you were 200 miles down the road or 500 miles down the road. You didn't get on an airplane and fly halfway across the country or all the way across the country or to another country. It was a big deal to go on a trip back to where Abraham had come from. It was a long way from where he was now. 
And the servant asked a very honest question. He said, but what if I can't find a young woman who is willing to travel so far from home? Should I take Isaac then to live among your relatives there? Absolutely not, Abraham said. Be careful to never take my son there. For the Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and my native land, solemnly promised to give this land to my descendants. And he will see to it that you find a wife there. There's that faith that's got to be involved when you step out for big things. You have to have that faith that God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. In fact, he says he will send his angel ahead of you. And, th and that angel will see to it that you find a wife there for my son. You never think about that, do you, when you're doing something that nobody knows you're doing it, they don't know who you are? Did you ever think about that God wants you to do something that's so meaningful to him that he could send an angel ahead of you to make sure it happens? If, you're, if she is unwilling to come back with you, Abraham said, then you're free from this oath. But under no circumstances are you to take my son there. So the servant took the oath. He swore to follow the instructions. He loaded up the camels with all kinds of gifts. And by the way, I just rode a camel. One of my goals in life was to ride a camel. I don't know why I wanted to do that, but it's real important to me. I, and when I went to Africa this time, we were at this place and they had a camel there and you could ride it. And here I was in a dress and I thought, I don't care, I want to ride a camel. I may never get to Egypt and I want to go to Egypt too, but I want to ride a camel. So I paid this man and I got on this camel. I wish I had the picture to show you. You would laugh. I certainly did not look like Abraham's servant. And he went to where he thought he should go, to where the relatives were. He prayed a significant prayer, almost like putting out a fleece. In fact, he kind of did. It's what I think he did. Oh, Lord God of my master, please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master. He wasn't asking anything for himself. He knew he was insignificant compared to Abraham and what Abraham's call was, but he still had the faith to talk to God and ask for big things. See, I'm standing here beside this spring and the young women are coming out here is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. And if she says yes, I will say, if she says yes, have a drink and I'll water your camels too, then I'll know she's supposed to be the wife of Isaac. That is how I will know. Boy, that's pretty scary, isn't it? Putting it all out there with something like that. Well, what else was he going to do? How was he going to know? And that's what he figured out to do. The Bible says before he had finished praying, she came up. Now, how did that happen? Because that angel went ahead of him, nudging Rachel, get on up there. She was the daughter of the brother of Abraham, and she was beautiful and old enough to be married. And she came down to the spring, and he said to her, please give me a little drink from your water from your jug, and she said, oh yes, and then when she gave him that, he didn't even have to ask her to draw water for his camels. She said, oh, I'll draw water for your camels too. And remember, that's what he asked, that she would do both of those things. And then he watched her wondering whether or not 
the Lord had given him success. Is this the one? This has just happened. Is this the one? And at last, when the camels had finished, he had decided this is the one because he gave her gold rings, gold bracelets, asked who she was. She said, I'm the daughter of, and then my grandparents are Nahor and Melka. Well, that was Abraham's parents. What did the man do first before he did anything else? He bowed low and worshiped God. Praise the Lord. He has shown his unfailing love and faithfulness to my master, for he has led me straight to my master's relatives. And then she came back with him and began to serve in God's kingdom as the wife of Isaac. And you know the rest of the story. I'm going to tell you about two more insignificant people. I bet you've never heard of these. Bezalel and Oholiab. Who were they? Well, you know about Solomon building the temple and God saying, Solomon, David was too much of a warrior. Too many people died. I want you to build the temple. And here's how I want it done. Who were they in terms of being insignificant people? Well, they weren't in their own right in their own little world. They were jewelers and craftsmen. And they designed the beauty of that temple, which people still talk about today. Who's somebody else that had a big job but was insignificant? The scribe that worked with Jeremiah, his name was Baruch. We, wouldn't have, we would have none of the words of Jeremiah. And my call from God is Jeremiah 1.5. If that man hadn't done his insignificant job compared to looking around him, he wrote down carefully everything God said to Jeremiah, everything Jeremiah said to him, and even everything that happened. I know a lady today that said, what am I doing in the end times? God, I don't account for anything. I'm so ordinary. Does my life have any meaning? No one sees what I'm doing. You know what she was doing? She was working in a major hospital rocking babies whose mothers had life-threatening situations, and one baby was named Sassy, and she became known as Sassy's Cuddler. She was doing what God called her to do. Was it important? Was it significant? Was to Sassy. Was to the mother. Was to God, because it was the answer to prayer. So how can you know for sure what God's called you to do? Just say yes. Just say yes to God, and do it with all your might. God wants to use your life, he wants to make it significant even if no one else knows it. Bye. Hello, I'm Betty Swan with Betty Swan Ministries, and we have pennies from heaven. You know all about it because you have really, really been helping me. I wish you could see the bank deposits that are made online by people from all over America, Canada, even other parts of the world. Thank you so much for your help. Pick up pennies everywhere you see them, and we will feed the world with what America throws away. Be sure and send your pennies to any Wells Fargo bank to the account of Pennies from Heaven, Amarillo, Texas. It has to say that in it. But together, we have fed people in Africa, Mexico, Belarus, Belize, here in America, the Navajo Indians, New Orleans Hurricane people. We're doing it together. And isn't it great? Pennies. Thank you so much.
Order your copy today from the GLC Bookstore by calling the number on your screen. Please include the program number when ordering.